I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 27, we talked to Ben Lunston about mission photography. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babler. Tim, how you doing? Doing pretty well, Drew. How about yourself? Not too bad. Keeping pretty busy around here, getting ready, doing the last steps for Hearts and Hands, but really looking forward to it. How about you? Yeah, I mean, busy is the right word. You would think that being in summer, it's less because, or less busy because you don't have the school year and things like that to worry about. But at our church, at least right now, we have three different groups gearing up to go on different mission trips. Uh, we got one going out to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. We got one going to Corona, California, and then one going down to Costa Maya in Mexico. So very busy. Nice. I'm not sure if you have any experience with missions yourself. Aside from being a part of a home mission, I have very little. I've never actually been outside the country, if I'm being honest. <laughs> That's all right. I know just one of the things I really enjoy, like last year when our, our church group came back that went down to Costa Maya in Mexico, and you just see the pictures that they're sharing. And as someone who personally hasn't been there, that's my only glimpse into that life. You know, I, I try to see, you know, from looking at a picture of a kid holding a soccer ball or something, you know, what, what was he doing? Obviously playing soccer, but, and then you, a picture of a lady sitting in her house and you just, that's just all you get is just the one little glimpse into that. Yeah. And I think when we were back at MLC and I think still to this day at MLC, they have a contest involving mission photography, correct? Yeah, it's called the Thalys Surprise. Um, I think that's one of the coolest things because you get to see their 10 different submissions or whatever that they have. And I love when they're all from different places because, again, as someone who personally also rarely travels outside of the country, it's just good to see uh, other people in those areas and to realize, yeah, it's a good thing we're going there. Just one picture. I mean, how do you, it's tough to get a glimpse into their lives just from one picture. But I think Some people are just so skilled and talented at that, and they do it so well that just from one picture, it tells an entire story. Yeah, and we got to have a good conversation this week with Ben Lunston about kind of his process with all that and how he's able to to figure out how best to tell a story and how to pick the, the best picture to tell the story he's trying to tell and everything. So let's get to that interview now. Today, we're excited to welcome Ben Lunston to the podcast. Welcome, Ben. Hi, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. For our listeners who haven't heard of you before, could you give us a quick bio of Ben? Oh, yes. The infamous bio of Ben. Uh, I've <laughs> I, I, I've had a pretty eclectic background up to this point. I would say most people that know me, the, the thing that they would tell you is no one has any idea what I'll do next. I, I am originally from Watertown, Wisconsin. From there, I went to Lakeside Lutheran High School, uh, got into art pretty heavily, had a really good and serious talk with my high school art teacher who uh, pushed me into the arts and I was terrified of that. So I took three years off of high school against uh, the well wishes of many people, worked a whole variety of jobs and then went back to school to Bethany Lutheran College in 2008, was originally a studio art major, uh, transitioned into their first graduating class of the media arts program. And since 2012, I've Again, worked a variety of jobs, everything from 
logo and website designs. Uh, I, I worked at a horse magazine doing layout. I worked for a tank company, uh, a dry drive a tank. So I did their website design and I taught people how to drive tanks and shoot machine guns. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a, that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. Yep. Yeah. And then from there, uh, a bunch of other odds and ends. I worked uh, at a place called fun.com. So they own the largest Halloween costume company in the world, uh, the online one. And I did a lot of their product photography and marketing photography. And then transitioned into working for an organization called Christians Forward. And I did their website redesign, their photography and marketing. And now, again, in classic Ben fashion, I uh, transitioned into what was just my first year of uh, high school art education. So I'm a high school art teacher at Minnesota Valley Lutheran High School, which a lot of people will know was where uh, Jason Jasperson was originally teaching. Yeah, you mentioned a lot in there about being a photographer. And as we were kind of doing a little bit of research preparing for this, you described yourself as a commercial and mission photographer. So what would you exactly say is the role of a mission photographer? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And I've been doing I – do, I do a lot of thinking about that when I'm, when I'm visiting these missions and uh, after the jobs that I've gone through. So I've been to Indonesia, Thailand twice, Myanmar. And I would say – for me, it's kind of it's a it's a twofold thing. When I'm working with an organization like the Kingdom Workers, there's the obvious business side of it. I guess you would say is they're you know they're serving a ministry and their their mission that I'm visiting has a purpose, whether it's to build infrastructure for water or you know some sort of educational purpose. So on the one hand, it's it's just making sure that that mission is understood and i'm telling the story of the work that's being done the work that kingdom workers is doing the impact that's having on the people that are there that's first and foremost i would say the the number one goal but then what started happening uh, after my first mission that i went to which was indonesia it made a pretty huge impact on me my brother and i went and i went with you know, I went with good intentions. It was mostly, hey, I was excited to go to a foreign country and get to see the uh, the work being done over there. But what I don't think I was prepared for was the connection I felt to the people that were there and the the warmth and the, I guess it was just like a family. And so for me, what's really changed is I would say, you know, the number one goal clarity of the mission what are they trying to do and how well can i portray that through images and then two is bridging the gap between i guess people in the states and then people abroad because unfortunately i think a lot of times there's a disconnect that happens where we think about world missions and your first thing that you might think of is the poor people in africa or those uh, you know the the people that we need to go and help but then when you're there you realize you know that's kind of the least important aspect of the story that needs to be told because the the people are just amazing and they share so many more similarities than we do differences uh the families that are there the the love they have for their savior the dedication to their churches the the hard work that they put in in their jobs, the much the, you know the the care that they have for their children, the importance on education, and so my personal goals for being a mission photographer are to try and 
I guess, bridge those gaps and really focus on those aspects of a mission. Uh, so, and, and a lot of that comes down to, I guess I would say a sensitivity when I'm over there and an openness. And there's a, there's a book that I'm reading called the, the ongoing moment. It's a photography theory book. And there's a quote in there from, I believe it was Dorothea Lang, but it's this idea that in order to make the best images, you have to kind of let go of your preconceived notions of what you might expect. If you go in expecting to see something and you're already figuring what pictures you're going to take, then you'll come away with those photos and those photos alone. So when I go to these places now, I go with almost no expectation. There's again, the the goals of the mission, which I get from the organizations I'm working with. I did a lot of work for the Christians Forward and they do humanitarian relief. So the things I know, I'm going to see nurses and I'm going to see patients and I'm going to see people that aren't actually some pretty serious need for some things. And in one respect, it can be really easy to take, I don't know, photos that tell stereotypical stories. Uh, Well, you know, like people look sad, people look lonely, people look uh, like they are in a lot of need, but that's such a small aspect of it. The, The bigger picture is, you know, who these people really are. So I, I try and get into people's homes. I try and always start by observing and having conversations. So I would say a typical day for me when I show up is I might not even take pictures in the beginning. I spend the, if I know I'm going to be there for a couple of days, my whole first day might just be meeting people and familiarizing myself with what's going on and trying to really tune myself into the bigger picture, if that makes sense. Yeah. And this whole idea is, is fascinating to me, mostly because I primarily as a creative would identify as a songwriter. And what I like about songwriting is that I can take as much time as I want to kind of perfect and just get all, every little detail exactly how I want it. So the idea of going out and taking what I would imagine for the most part are candid photographs just blows my mind. <laughs> like, like, because there's so much that's just not in your control, right? Like, yeah. How, how as an artist do you, do you deal with that struggle to create something that you are personally satisfied with, even though so much of it is not in your control? Oh, that's another great question. I think that's for me, that's really the joy I've, I've realized after doing a whole variety of photography work, I, I really got started back in college. I got a job as a sports photographer. And if you, if, if you want to know where you should start as a photographer, do sports, uh, and do sports professionally because it is, it is not easy. It's, it's that concept, but it's that concept on adrenaline and at a, a faster pace than, you know, most people are probably comfortable with where you've got, I used to do college basketball and it's like, you got one chance, man. If that guy's going to go down the court and he's going to he's going to dunk it, you might get one dunk a game and you've got to get that shot so you you have to know your gear, you have to know the game, you have to be always on. And I I've come to realize I like I like reacting to that and that's really what it is. I'm I'm the polar opposite of a musician. I don't understand music. I love it, but I know nothing. Uh and the photography world is a lot of times compared to or a lot of photographers compare it to jazz and it's this idea of and i again i don't really know jazz but you know it's musicians playing off of each other and not having a set song that you're going to play but being open to working with other people and reacting off of that and i think for me that's 
that's where the art side of it comes in. Uh, I really view every frame that turns out as a gift uh, because I don't know what I'm going to get. Maybe it's raining. Maybe it's sunny. Maybe it's too sunny. Maybe there's not enough people. Maybe there's too many people. Uh, and that becomes the decision-making process. But when I was talking with Jason earlier, I was thinking about this idea that you know a painter – I'm teaching painting now, which is a new field for me – but the idea that it's me in a canvas and I can take kind of as long as I need and each brush stroke can be thought about and the color choices can be thought about. Uh, but at the end of the day, when that painting's done, it's still a thousand little decisions you've had to make. And I would say photography is the same, but you're compressing that down into fractions of a second. <laughs> um, no pressure. And, no, no pressure at all. But I, I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I guess that's, that's what I really like. I, I grew up playing a lot of sports too. And I spent a lot of time playing baseball, like 18 years of my life. And I played outfield and it's horribly boring, uh, (laughs) especially, especially when you have a great pitcher. But what I was doing in the outfield was you've, you know, you're, you're going over all these things in your head. If the balls hit here, I have to throw it here. If, if it's a fly ball, I'm going here. If it's a grounder, I'm going here. Uh, And then it's paying special attention to the batters and knowing this guy pulls left this guy pulls right look at the way he's standing now and so i guess i've just been training myself to again kind of have that sensitivity so really it's it's like this cool dance that i get to be a part of and if you open yourself to the to the moment that's in front of you and you kind of forget about the pressure and you go you know what whatever i'm just i'm here and i'm going to be acutely aware it becomes really fun. And, and sometimes I go into a situation and I, I have to make myself known. I have to take control in order to get the image I want. And other times the whole point is to be, to be a ghost, to not be there. And it comes down to just people watching, you know, people, I might see someone who keeps playing with this kid and they keep making faces at a kid or it's a kid that's being really cute or it's an elderly woman that has stood up and sat down a couple of times or is leaning a certain way and just being aware of those things throughout a period of time and setting myself up for success essentially and saying okay i'm looking at the way she's leaning on this wall i'm just going to eventually meander over to the side and hopefully if the light's right and if she doesn't move and if I, if I, you know, do the right thing, uh, I can come away with, uh, an image or two, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So like taking it a step further though, like with the amount of difficulty you must have just getting an image, then to go like a layer deeper and say, how do I take images and convey a meaning or a narrative or anything along those lines? Uh, do you find that difficult with all the restrictions or all of the things working against you? I'd say no. I I preach restrictions pretty uh, – restrictions and failure are two of the things I bring up almost daily in my classes. You, you – I think most artists will tell you if if someone just says, hey, make whatever you want and I have no restrictions for you, that's almost daunting. That's That's – way more challenging than saying, you know, uh, uh, you've got this amount of time or you've got what's in front of you and make it work. Um, suddenly the, the decision-making process, I think, almost becomes simplified to a certain extent. And and one of the, the really important things, you maybe have heard of the exposure triangle in photography, 
maybe not. But what that is is it's essentially your it's your camera settings, and it basically it, it basically means you've got three settings that are universal to any camera. You can take a camera from you know the 1800s, and you can take the newest camera that Canon just came out with, and they all essentially operate the same way. And the way that is is it's a box with a hole that captures light, and you've got your you've got the sensitivity of whether it's you know a, a chemical process or or a camera sensor you've got the opening of the hole through the lens and how big that opening is and then you got how long your shutter is open so how much of the light you're letting in for how long and that's it and so if you can if you can really understand that technical side of things the things that never change uh, which is really nice. That's a great foundation because they don't change. I can pick up, you can give me any camera, and if I can find those three settings, I can use it. So that becomes second nature. Again, I don't, I don't play music, but I would imagine it's the same thing with learning the keys on the piano. I wish I could play, and every key has a note, and if it's tuned, it should always be that same exact note. So you learn those keys, and they'll always make those notes, and then from there you can build on to learning more complex things and writing your own music, and that's when it becomes fun. And so for me, that's second nature now. And now it's what I, I don't know if I've coined it, but I, I try and talk about the photographer's triangle. So it's this idea of every image has yourself and the camera, uh, your subject and your light. And no matter what, those are present in just about every image. So it becomes a dance between those three things. Sometimes I can control my subject, but I can't control the light. Uh, sometimes I can control the light, but not necessarily my subject. And sometimes I have control of nothing but myself. And it's just, again, being aware of what do I have control of. And in a documentary situation, it's it's usually none of those things. So, again, it's my feet. It's what where can I move and what lens am I using? And I use fixed lenses so they don't zoom at all. And I've just got two that I use. And, again, I'm I'm giving myself constraints. I'm saying... I'm going to use just about one lens for a majority of the work that I do. So I can, I, I've gotten to the point and I've, I've shot enough now. I've been shooting for, I think over 10 years that I can look at a scene and as I know how it will look through my lens. So I know where I need to position myself to get the image I want to know if uh, I need to cut this out of the background, say it's, you know, some extraneous elements, some extra people. I know that, I've got to take 10 steps. I don't actually count the 10 steps in my head, but I know, hey, I've got to move closer and crouch down. And if I do that, as soon as I pull the camera up to my eye, it's going to be framed in a way that's conveying that meaning. And and I think, too, this goes back to that first question of what's the what's the goal of a mission photographer? It's that it's that storytelling aspect. And, and I preach storytelling, too, when I talk about photography is whether you know it or not. Every image you take, especially when it's being used in marketing purposes or mission purposes, it's it's telling a story. And and I think that's where I, I try and educate organizations as much as I can and say, hey, look, if if you're putting photos out there, I feel bad. I don't know how many presentations I've seen from organizations where they've got beautiful stories to tell and they're they're meeting these wonderful people and they and they they have the stories, but the images are just lacking it's a cell phone picture taken from 40 feet away and you can see you can see five or six people and it's muddy and you don't get any sort of clarity to what they're saying and and for me it's it's breaking that cycle and saying no i i want to tell this person's story so 
get everything else out of the frame, make sure they're the emphasis, make sure they're the focus or, you know, maybe it's a smile or it's a gesture. But yeah. I think again, it's, it's, it's a sensitivity to what's going on and understanding what's going to be communicated. And that, that is, that's a really big thing is understanding a visual language too. And knowing that the picture you're taking uh, has, has meaning built into it, whether, whether you know it or not, even photographers can go out and not even understand the visual language and take a great picture and not know why it works or not know exactly what it's saying. You had mentioned before how it's important to know your game. I mean, you said as a sports photographer, if you're f- f- photographing basketball, you need to know what's going to happen and when and what are the big moments to look for. And then you kind of mentioned how you took time also to get to know people when you went to these mission settings. But it seems like knowing the game goes beyond those. How would you kind of expand that a little bit? I think it's always, in the in the world of art, it's always a, a balance between having a command of your tools and then having an understanding of your language. The importance of being a well-rounded artist, I don't think, can be under underestimated or understated because, you know, if you're just a photographer and all you look at is photos and all you talk about are photos, I think that's that's great and that's fine. But I, I think there's there's more to it than that. So, like I said, I I guess there's there's a really good story to go with this. Uh, one of the the first trip I took to Indonesia, my biggest learning moment. I'd spent a couple of days visiting this school. And man, I, I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it because it 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 was amazing and and they welcomed us with open arms. The kids are just incredible. If you if you go to my website and you look at the Indonesia tab, I mean you can. I'm actually really happy with the work that's there because you see the joy and you see the love that the teachers have for the students and you see, you know, you just see students, you see kids that don't look any different or seem to be acting any different than the kids that are here, which is the point. But there was a, a a moment later on in my time there where the kids were leaving school. And again, uh, that awareness to, to your surroundings, I knew that, okay, they're leaving school and this is my second or third day there after school's done. They all walk home. And there was this trail leading out from the school that I had seen them walk uh, a day or two now. And I said, okay, in my, in my head, I go, I, I want to get a picture of these kids leaving school and walking home. And so I went outside and I set myself up. And I waited and the kids came out and there was this group of kids just like I had anticipated and they're laughing. And um, I had just seen them all day, have a great time at school. And as they're walking away, a a bulk of the group had noticed me and they stopped. And one of the boys kept walking and he walked out onto this path and there's it's basically just jungle behind him. And he stopped and he turned around and I, I took about five or six frames. And I don't know if I really understood it in the moment. But I, I took the I took the pictures and then I, you know, I it wasn't what I intended. So I motioned to the other kids that, you know, like get over there, go over by him. And they all ran over and they were giggling and laughing and they they grouped up together and I and I took a photo of this group. And this one's on my website too. And and then they left and I said goodbye. And later that day I was I was looking through the photos and and, and again, I don't know if I realized it then or when I got home and I, I started developing the images and going through my edits, but the photo of the kid by himself, while it would have made for your very impactful, like probably, you know, the gold that an organization like Kingdom Workers was looking for, because it's a kid all by himself on this path. And he turned around and he had this 
he had this confused look because in the moment he was con- his friends were with him one second, he turned around and they were gone. And then here I am taking a picture of him. So there was this vulnerability in his face. And it, and it was one of those images where you could put any variety of text over it and it would work in a million scenarios and it would tug on the viewer's heartstrings, but it wasn't truthful to the moment. It wasn't truthful at all. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't actually send this photo to the kingdom workers because in, in, you know, in my mind, it's, it was, it was a lie and not, not in a malicious way, but it wasn't truthful to what I just experienced throughout the entire day. The picture of the kids grouped together and the smiles and the really beautiful moment of classmates just hanging out together. That was what I had intended and that's what I delivered. So I think, I, I, I don't know if that answers your original question, but I think that's, that's a, you know, that deeper understanding of, what it is that I'm doing and we're doing when we when we photograph people because you can't get away from the fact that there's always a minimum of two people involved. The photographers, whether he or she likes it or not, is a part of that process. And so you have to be aware of how you're impacting people and then also, you know, what what those images are are going to convey. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just super powerful too. I, I actually had the chance to uh see on your website some of those pictures and it's just it's it's crazy how one picture can say so much i know it's the old adage of pictures worth worth a thousand words but it really is i mean you can convey so much meaning in just one blink of an eye yeah and i that's that's the ultimate goal right and that's that's really and and like i said it it really does feel like a gift every time i get one because i i go into every scenario going nah i hope i get a good picture i hope i get one i hope i get one good picture <laughs> and it's never a given but somehow it ends up always it always works out and i i don't know i i hit this flow state where i'm really not thinking about it but i've done it so much that yeah i'm trying to include and exclude things in my frame that can hopefully convey convey that narrative and again i'm i'm showing the world you know three percent of my images but that's uh, an entire part of the process it's like a great novel gets edited down to its most essential elements and it's the same thing here is you know i'll go out and i'll take i did i did a concert at mvl and i told my students i'm like yeah i took like 1500 photos 200 of them i'll give for you know like marketing purposes and there's probably two maybe two that i think are maybe portfolio worthy, maybe one, if if any at all. Thanks for coming on to talk with us today. Is there any projects you're working on or anything you'd like to promote? Yeah. Well, first, thank you guys so much for having me. And I would say at this at this point, I'm I'm pretty heavily focused on the teaching side of things. So I would say if people just want to see some of my work and you know feel free to reach out to me or ask me questions, it, I would just send them to my my website and my Instagram. My website is a little more curated. The Instagram, uh, there's a lot more stuff on there, but um, either of those would be great. It's just benlunston.com and just benlunston on Instagram. And we'll awesome. be sure to put those links in the show notes as well. Yeah, thank you guys so much. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have more questions you'd like answers to, guests you'd like to hear from, please feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can get instant access to bonus content and uncut episodes. That's at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.